Stacy Glover. And you are listening to Cinema Parlor. Uh, on this week's show, we're going to uh, enjoy uh, the start of the Halloween season. And uh, we have a uh, movie we're going to be reviewing, Event Horizon. Yep. And we're also going to be talking about the movies or things we watched that scared us while yeah. growing up. Yeah, I, I think that's the, the best time to watch scary things, you know? Yes. So, Stacy, how you doing, man? I'm good. Well, what are you drinking? Yeah, so, today I am having a Mother's Brewing Company, which is based here in Springfield, Missouri, and I'm drinking a Mr. Pumpkin. It is their seasonal pumpkin beer, and uh, it's good stuff. Nice. What are you having, man? I got this big old bottle. It's from a place called The Brewery. But brewery is spelled B-R-U, and oh. it's called Midnight Autumn Maple. It's an imperial dark ale brewed with yams, maple syrup, vanilla, and spices. It's a 9%. Does it does it say where that brewery is located at? I believe it's Orange County, California. All right, that looks good, man. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. So, uh, yeah, what have you been up to, man? Well, man, I, uh, I beat Red Dead Redemption... So, I'm all geared up for that second one. Pretty pumped about that. And, as you know, October is upon us. It's the best time of the year. So, I take this time to just watch horror movies. My goal is to watch a horror movie every single day of the month. And I also just play horror games. So, I started my playthrough of Resident Evil 2. So, I'm doing Claire A scenario. Then Leon B scenario. I don't know if you're familiar with the way that game's broken up. I've never played Resident Evil 2. I've, oh. I've played the first one, and I've played sequels, but I never played the second one, or oh, third one. They've got a remake coming out of the second one. I think it comes out January 25th, but Resident Evil 2 is one of the best of like that classic-style survival horror. Uh, it's got a very like cinematic story, and man, I just love it. A lot of cool moments, and the way it's broken up, you have two discs, so you have one character on one disc, you know, Claire on one disc, Leon on the other disc. And, uh, you know, they have different scenarios. So say you put Claire disc in first, you'll get a save file after you beat the game to do Leon part like B. So you find out what he was up to during her game and then vice versa. So if you put Leon in first, you could do like Leon A and then you get Claire B, which, you know, find out what she was up to during his A scenario. So yeah. you have four campaigns on there. And it does this zapping thing where, like, if you do certain things, like, pick up certain items, then they won't be there for the character on the next playthrough. That sounds cool, man. Yeah. It, it's an awesome game. It's one of my favorites. I I play it probably every other year. I love it. All um, right. How about yourself, man? Uh, Game-wise, I really haven't... I mean, I've, I'm playing a little bit. Um, I'm also playing Red Dead Redemption, um, as uh, you noted. Uh, the second one is coming out here at the end of October, so, uh, you finished it, 
I'm a little behind you, but uh, I'm hoping to get it finished here in the next couple weeks, so I will be ready to go for the new one as well. Uh, it's a fun game. It's fun. It's a fun, you know, replay. You know. Yeah. Are you doing a lot of the open world like activity stuff, or are you just doing story? So I'm basically just doing story, but I'm also doing like side missions, like um, the strangers. Yeah. Yeah. They're so, fun. They are fun, but I'm not really doing any like you know the games really. You know the the little tiny. Uh, Mini games you can do in the towns and things like that. Yeah. Um, if, you know, sometimes that game's like you'll come into like random occurrences where someone will, you know, scream for help that they've been mm-hmm. robbed or a horse has been stolen or these types of things. If it's, you know, I, I, I'll do some of those if like I'm running right past someone. And like if you, do, if it's not going <laughs> to trouble you and yeah. make you go out of your way. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, that's how I was playing it this last time through and, uh. Honestly, like that side stuff. I mean, the stranger stuff's cool, but you really don't need to do a lot of the side stuff, and you don't need to do jobs to get money. Like, you don't really yeah. need money, right? In no, that game, that's very true. You get a place to stay in quite early on. Too, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, and with quick travel and stuff, but for its time, like that was a busy world, a lot right. of stuff to do. No, and it. The I think the game holds up very well. It's mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's a little uh, glitchy here and there, but I think it. Uh, I think it holds up well for as old as the game it is, so I'm I'm having fun with it. Nice. Well, have you watched any movies yeah. lately you want to talk so about? So let's talk about some stuff here we've been watching lately. So like you said, uh, October is upon us. I started out my horror movie watching, if you will, kind of late in September, and I got to see uh, Mandy. So did you like it? I did. So this is the Panos Cosm- Cosmatos? I think it's Cosmatos. Cosmatos? Cosmatos? Panos Cosmatos film from 2018 starring Nicolas Cage and also starring uh, Andrea uh, Riseborough, or Riseborough, I'm sorry. This was a really great movie. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Um, so step up for you from Black up Rainbow. from Black Rainbow for sure, man. It's like Grindhouse mixed with Art House. Like, yeah. It... It, was, it was a lot of fun and I quite enjoyed it. Yeah, I like all the like references he makes to other movies visually, but I also like that, I don't know, it, it seems like with his movies, it is where, it, it's like his imagination's taking the things that he took in as a kid and it's just popping these things out. It's not entirely pastiche. Yeah, and man, I I just thought uh, just just a lot of the movie was just very creative. <laughs> uh, like, I love... You know, the filters he uses. I like, you know, how red the movie is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like, you know, I don't want to spoil too much for those who haven't seen it, but uh, there are some biker creatures of some sort that are called upon. Well, from my understanding... <laughs> um, and this, they are pretty cool. Yeah, this movie, I think, is pretty available now. I think that you can do video on demand for it. I think you can rent it through iTunes and Amazon. Yeah. And, uh... I will say, like you told me after you saw it, that uh, you would highly recommend watching it in a theater, and I completely agree with that statement. Now, you know, if all you can do is see it on demand, by all means, please watch it. But if it is playing in a theater near you, you should go and see it. Yeah, and it probably isn't going to be in theaters too long. I, I believe the Blu-ray drops at the end of October. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, I, anyway, um, I would highly recommend it. So Awesome. I liked it. Uh, yeah. Uh, so let's just kind of go back and forth here. Uh, so next on my list, I'm going to go with uh, 2009's Jennifer's Body. 
directed by Karen Kusuma, uh, um, which she would later go on to do The Invitation, which I think is a pretty solid movie. Yeah, that's a cool movie. Uh, this movie I thought was okay. Um, I've heard, you know, uh, over the last couple of years, it's one of those movies that people have seemed to come back to and enjoy. I don't think it's a bad movie. I think it's it was entertaining. But I wouldn't necessarily say uh, it's a must-watch. Well, I feel like at the time <laughs> when that came out, because I, I think that's when I saw it in theaters, and I liked it. I, you know, it's just dumb B-movie fun. Uh, uh, it's it, it tries to be a little clever. Sure. And, you know, it, it's pretty cool. I think at that time, though, wasn't everybody, like, shitting on Megan Fox? Because she was just true. doing, like, the, the Michael Bay movies, right. and mm-hmm. people thought she was a bad actress. Yeah. And I actually liked her in that movie. Yeah, she's good in the movie. Yeah, uh, she was fun. Amanda, Amanda Seyfried was fun. Um, Adam Brody's in Adam like... Brody. J.K. Simmons being yeah. a ridiculous, like, teacher. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, I, Chris Pratt actually shows up for, like, a scene in the beginning of the movie. Oh, when he wasn't, like, a <laughs> yeah. famous dude. So that was kind of fun. Yeah, uh, yeah it, you know, it's it was, it was a good... Like, I'm glad I watched it. It's streaming on HBO Go for anybody that has that. Yeah, it's kind of like taking that uh, that late '90s horror, like teenage style. Yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, so anyway, I had fun with it. Awesome. So, yeah, I also watched a uh, Todd Browning film. It's a silent movie called The Unknown. You've heard of it, I right? Have. I have not so, seen it. Yeah, it's an early Lon Chaney. I say early. Um, I mean, it's probably later in his silent, you know, film career. It's 1927. But he plays a man who has no arms, allegedly, named Alonzo, who is in a circus throwing knives with his feet. And Joan Crawford's in it. She's like the babe. And she's the daughter of the circus owner. It it seems like, and I'm not sure about this, so I'm probably wrong, but it's probably one of the first of that subgenre of like circus freak love. Yeah. It it seems like, because they did that last circus movie and... yeah. Now was did he do this movie Freaks. before or after Freaks? Uh, this is before. So okay. this is um, this is one of his silent films. It's uh, predates Dracula by four years. Uh, it's a much superior film to Dracula. I uh, you know I've watched Dracula recently too, and just as a comparison, um, I don't know. It seems like he's more confident working in silent film. Like the camera movements, great, and the way he like frames his actors. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. Uh, really, the only thing I can say about The Unknown, it is a shorter film, and from my understanding, it was a movie that was probably a little bit longer, but scenes were cut out of it, because back okay. in the day, you know, people would cut up films and stuff for screenings, and I, I think it was a lost movie for like 30 or 40 years, okay. and then they found a print on VHS or something, obviously, well. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, how did you watch this? I watched it on YouTube. Okay. Uh, or no, no, I didn't Not watch YouTube. it on YouTube. I'm sorry. Daily Motion, I think, was Daily the website. Motion. Okay. It's another streaming platform. Is it just a free streaming thing? Yeah, it's a free streaming thing. Uh, it is kind of like YouTube. I think that the music that was accompanying it was not the music that was intended to accompany it, which, you know, most silent films outside of like Metropolis, they don't really have a score written for them, mm-hmm. you know, from that time. So it doesn't really matter. I found the music that they had is pretty fitting to what was going on. It's a messed up movie, man. I, I really liked it. Lon Chaney's really good. Like he, it's a very physical performance, but he definitely shows that like, like he's a good actor and he doesn't need to hide behind, you know, two pounds of makeup sure. to like put out a performance. Like the, the, this guy is despicable. He's a criminal hiding out in the circus. Uh, he actually, 
Do you want, want me to tell you too much about it? No, you're fine. Go okay. For, I mean, I'll, I'll watch it sometime. Yeah. So yeah, he, he is a criminal who's hiding out in the circus, and he has arms. He's just pretending that he doesn't have arms because, you know, they've got his fingerprints, and he has this weird um, deformation where he has a double thumb. Oh, wow. So it's like two thumbs attached, okay. and, uh, you know, so they could pick him if they knew that, you know, what his hands were. So, yeah, he ends up, like, pining after Joan Crawford, and, you know, he's, like, friend-zoned, but she doesn't like any guys. Like, she has, like, this weird, kind of like a repulsion-style uh, feeling towards men, mm -hmm. where she, she uh, floats to Alonzo because, since he doesn't have arms, he can't touch her, and she's yep. very against, like, guys having, like, hands and, like, touching her and stuff, so... The strong man, you know, wants to hook up with her and eventually just through persistence, you know, he wears her down and they, you know, <laughs> couple up and, you know, Alonzo goes off to get a surgery to actually have no arms and yeah, it just gets messed up. It's really dark and awesome. Pre-code. So skimpy outfits and mm -hmm. some very dark suggestive material. Okay. It's really good. But man, Lon Chaney does stuff like... It, he will, like, pour glasses of wine with his feet and drink with his feet the wine. And then he's lighting cigarettes with his feet. And it's all in frame. So it's it's just an amazing physical performance. Oh, it, it's insane. All right. I'll check that one out, man. Yeah. That sounds awesome. And it's only, like, an hour long, I think. Okay. Even better. All right. Well, um, so next on my list is a... Newer horror movie from 2016. It's a, I believe, a Norwegian film called Lake Bodum. And I won't talk very much about this one because I didn't particularly love it. Um, but it's kind of a, based on true events that happened in Norway. A lot, you know, they have all kinds of folklore in that area. Yeah. There was a legend that went around that a killer came to a group of people that were camping in the woods in a tent. He you know, killed these kids that were in this tent. This movie is like kind of this group of teenagers goes out into the woods and this one kid is like fascinated by this, you know, legend. And he's like trying to recreate this event. Like in his mind, he's, the killer never was caught. So he's mm -hmm. like trying to recreate it and hoping that the killer maybe would come and do it again, even though like you know, it's been many years since this event happened. It's it's strange. So so is it like a Bloody but, Mary type thing? Like uh, trying to bring forth this so benevolent. The thing is, killing thing? no, no, it's not <laughs> supernatural at all. Okay. And the thing is, is it has. I don't want to. In case you ever watch it, anyone else ever watch it, it has a big um, turn mm -hmm. or reveal like midway through the movie. Okay. Which. You know, kind of is, is genre bending. It's, it, I like it. I like what it does. But then, like, the last of the movie, there's another turn. Yeah. And that one did not work at all. And it kind of just really ruined my experience with the movie. So, yeah. it, it was a well-shot movie. And uh, it's streaming on Shudder. It's a Shudder exclusive. So, it was okay. It's, uh, I'm not, I'm probably not going to try to pronounce the director's name, but I will. His name is Tanali Mustonen. I don't know how close I am on that, but uh, anyway, that's Lake Bodum. All right, man. Other one I want to talk about: um, Vampire's Kiss. 
Uh, so Nick fa- Cage. Yeah, more pro- Nick Cage. Pro- probably famous for his performance. Uh, a lot of gifts going around with you know mm-hmm. him from that movie. That's a weird movie. Have you seen it? I've not. I've seen like I've seen many of the gifts you talk about, but I've never seen the movie. It, it's just a weird like, just uh, the the way it messes with tone and stuff. It just doesn't fit. So it, it's a bad movie. But his performance kind of anchors it for most of the film because he's so entertaining in it. And I here's the thing. I don't think Nick Cage is a bad actor. I think that maybe he, with some of these movies, maybe he knows their shit and he has to be entertaining in them. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. Yeah. Because he has the ability to be a good actor. We've seen it. For sure. So, yeah, this movie, he's like all over the place acting crazy. It It's actually... Because I think during this time period, there was, like, a bunch of uh, the vampire comedies. There's that Jim Carrey one. Yeah. Um, the George Hamilton one. Was it, like, Once Bitten? Mm-hmm. That's right. Once um, bitten. So you, you have all these movies coming out, and then this movie drops. And you probably think, like, oh, that's what I'm going to get. I'm going to get Nick Cage thinking he's a vampire. It's going to mm-hmm. be going to be entertaining. And it's like American Psycho. It, it's about, like, yuppies and, like, mental illness and, like, the pressures of just, like, that lifestyle and, like, how some of these people are just crazy. <laughs> and it it's so weird, man. It's, like, really fun and stupid for, like, two-thirds of the movie. And the last act of the movie takes a turn. Like, it gets dark. And there's, like, no, no characters to root for, which I know you don't always need to have, but, like, I don't know. Like, something like Henry, like, has a tone mm-hmm. through the whole thing. This is, like, you're thinking it's a dumb comedy, and then it's, like, like weird, dark, serious shit. Yep. I don't know. It uh, It is not a good movie. I mean, it, and just, like, the scripting's bad. The, there's, like, the movie stops halfway through the movie, and it's just establishing shot after establishing shot. Like, I laughed out loud because... It, it was seriously like a minute worth of shots like that were 10 seconds long just showing landscape of New York. Interesting. <laughs> like, it's just, it's a very bad movie. Right. But his performance is worth watching. Okay. The next one, this is The Invisible Man from 1933, uh, directed by James Whale. This one stars Claude Rains, who uh, is The Invisible Man, correct? Yeah, he's the Invisible Man and just a phenomenal actor. Yeah, this the, you'd seen it before. This was the first time I'd seen it, and I really enjoyed it. This is one of the original Universal mm-hmm. monster films, and uh, yeah, I, I really liked it. Yeah, I um, I love this movie. What what do you think of like the sense of humor and stuff? Like, I feel like the movie feels different from other Universal movies because it feels like a James Wales movie. Yeah, I actually laughed quite a bit. <laughs> like he has that's this a... sense of humor that's yeah. There's a um, uh, towards the first of the movie, you know, he comes into this, you know, this uh, it's like a bed and breakfast. Bed and breakfast, yeah, some type of lodging here, uh-huh. and uh, gets a room, and. Uh, the lady that uh, is helping run this place, it's her to her husband. Yeah, uh, she, she's in his other movies. Una... Una O'Connor? Yeah. Okay. Well, she is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, dude, I love her in all those movies. Yeah, so she's like, you know, helping... He, she, he, he gets a room, she comes in and like, 
gets him settled in and is bringing him dinner and stuff. And he's like, I don't want to be disturbed, you know. And she doesn't want to come back to disturb him. But, like, you know, somebody forgot to give him the mustard for his mm-hmm. dinner. <laughs> so she comes back and, just, and uh, you know, he gets really upset. And that whole scene is really funny to me. Like, he gets mad and then she has, like, a freak out session. And... Like, just her acting and her wailing away is just, like, really great. Not only just, like, funny, but also some, like, very good, like, physical acting. Yeah, for sure. And so, yeah, I I don't know. I I thought it was, like, a a really, really good movie. Like, it was hilarious, too. So, yeah, I'm with you. What did you think (laughs) of the visual effects? Yeah, it was really cool. I mean, there's, like, I think we talked about this a little bit. There's a great scene with, like, a car crash. Mm -hmm. And uh, the car just, like, goes down this hill and, like... For the time, like it's that's pretty impressive. Like, yeah, it was just like, explodes. Yeah, and even the Invisible Man, like, still looked good. Like we watched this on like the Blu-ray they put out a few years back, and uh, even in high definition, like the Invisible stuff looks pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, so, I think like he looks great, especially that scene where you get the reveal where he's peeling off parts right. of his costume, mm-hmm. and uh, really the only thing like. In certain scenes, you'll notice, like, strings on top of cans when sure. he's moving on. Right. But, mm-hmm. for the most part, very well done. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm, I'm glad we watched that one. That was, awesome. that was a good movie. Uh, my last one that I will mention here, and I watched this last night, and that would be Amityville 2, The Possession, mm-hmm. from 1982. And this is directed by Damiano Damiani? I, that's a... Uh, that's a good name. <laughs> it, it's an Italian director. Yeah. Um, I, I think they did a um, horror film before Amityville 2. Yeah. So, yeah, this this movie was pretty good, too. Um, I feel like, you know, we may have watched it, like, a long time ago, like, in a group or something. I feel like I remembered, like, little parts after re-watching it, because mm-hmm. I, I didn't know if I'd watch this movie or not. But, um, again, it was a movie that I kind of really enjoyed, like, the first two-thirds of it, and the last act kind of left me a little bewildered but um it's a creepy movie and it's uh kind of i guess a sort of prequel to the first amityville film if i understand that right in a way Uh, yeah i guess i i don't know i i like to think of it as its own isolated thing but yeah you're right of the things that he does is very reminiscent of the things that happened right before yeah yeah, the family um, in Amityville gets there. So yeah, and uh, there's actually t- uh, there's some really great effects in the movie. Like, I love um, when the son who ends up um, murdering the family, uh, when you see his, you know, the demon take form out of his body, there's a lot of, like, grotesque body horror going mm-hmm. on, and it's some really good stuff. Uh, I want to point out that the great Burt Young is in it. Oh, Polly. Uh, Polly from the Rocky series. He plays the dad who is, uh, he is a terrible person in the film, but he does a great job at it. And, um, you know, I enjoyed it. So, not a, I didn't think it was a great movie, but I, it had, it, if it, if it it wouldn't have went down the path it did at the end, I, I think I would have thought it was, you know, a more compelling horror movie. The build to the murders is really good and creepy, in For my sure. opinion. Yes. Like, the stuff with his sister, like, the Yeah, there's some really messed up stuff. Like, it just makes me feel uneasy. Right. Like, yeah. it, it's really, really jacked there's up. There's a really cool effect, also, um, kind of, in the first, mm, third after the, uh, in the movie, when the movie, when the family moves into the house, like, after some crazy stuff starts happening, there's a scene, like, in, uh, at night, where, um, 
is like a, a tablecloth mm-hmm. in the kitchen and it like swoops up off the table and like goes over a crucifix that's in like the hallway yeah and i'm like how do they do that i don't know but i really liked it and it's mm-hmm. cool. <laughs> that's the cool thing about practical effects man yeah so yeah anyway i watched that uh on uh, amazon prime so if anybody's interested in amityville 2 yeah you should check it out from i i don't know about you there's a weird like thing for me i've never seen the first one. Oh really yeah i have seen the first one but it's been a it's been a little while. Like, I hear it's a piece of shit. Yeah. I don't... It wasn't very good. <laughs> yeah. I would... I definitely would say this is the better of the two. Right. And that seems to be the consensus. hmm Yeah. Definitely go check that movie out. It'll make you feel weird. Yeah. All right. You got anything else left on your list? No, nah, man. I'm, uh... You know, I'm ready to talk about things that, you know, scared us All back right. in the day. Well, let's do it then. Okay, so this was uh, Stacy. This was your uh, this was your week here to mm-hmm. pick our uh, topic. So why don't you tell us a little about what you have picked today? Well, here's the thing. I have loved horror movies forever. October, I think, has always been my favorite time of the year. I love horror video games. Love horror movies. You know, back in the day, you know, with like cable and such. You know, they'd have those marathons on the cable channels. They'd play them all month. I don't know if you remember these, but like oh, yeah. Sci-Fi Channel before it had a Y in it, yep. you know, mm-hmm. it was just Sci-Fi. They would do uh, like a week-long like Frankenstein marathon, followed by a week-long Werewolf marathon. And, yep. you know, they just played these movies constantly. Man, I was so pumped for it. I would just, I'd record them and just re-watch them over and over. And then like TNT had Monster Vision. So, you know, Joe Bob Briggs. Right. USA up all night. Yep. Just all these good things. And then we had video stores. We had a, we lived in a really small town, but we still had like what? Three or four video stores. Yep. Which is a lot for a population of 3000 people. If that. Yeah. So, (laughs) you know, just like the early nineties, late eighties, like video store culture is such a big deal. Like, that's just, that's what you did if you wanted to watch a new movie. You know, a lot of times people, people didn't do the thing where they went to a movie every single week, typically. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, you know, you might get to see two or three a summer, you know, right. as a family. Sure. But uh, video store was mostly how people saw movies. Yeah. And, man, I, I just took advantage of that all the time when I was a kid. You know, go to the grocery store and, nice. you know, they're picking up groceries and we pick up two or three movies. Yeah. Uh, that I like that. Me and you, like, are very, we, we, we have very different to upbringings because for me um you know i was uh i watched a lot of disney movies growing up i'll put it that way not that that's a bad thing i just hey i watched them too sure um but uh i really didn't get into film until my late teenage years um to actually you know think about film as an art form mm-hmm. um so as i grew up i watched a lot of weird stuff <laughs> yeah that, you know most people probably didn't watch and uh, so i don't have a lot of fondness for growing up uh, movie watching wise right but to that being said um i also have experiences that some things freaked me out and it freaked me out even more because i didn't watch things so when i saw something that you know I wasn't accustomed to seeing it left a mark. Well, I, I think that's more interesting too, where um it and I'm of the belief that I think horror movies are made for kids. I think that and I, I love them as an adult, but 
I do not get scared by anything. Mm-hmm. I think the last time I was scared of you know things like probably thirteen or fourteen. Like I, it just movies don't really scare me. I can appreciate the like the scares in them. Like I love the setup and I love the execution of them. But it's not something that's gonna get me. It doesn't freak me out and like make me think about it later or anything. It's uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's more of an appreciation. But you know, when you're a kid, you know you'll you'll sneak up on some of these things and. You know, we'll be watching cable, and you'll just flip it to a movie sometimes, yeah. and there'll be messed up stuff that's just on normal cable. It's true. And, or in, I don't know if you did the thing that, uh, would your parents ever watch movies that, like, you guys weren't allowed to watch? Yes. So, my family would do that. So, when we would do, like, a movie night on Saturday, you know, we'd rent, like, three or four movies, and, like, we would watch the movies, like, with the kids and everybody, and then, like... You know, 10, you know, midnight, somewhere in there. It's like, put the kids to bed, and then they're going to watch the movie they rented. And I would always, like, you know, we had this hallway that goes into the living room. So they'd be in the living room. Um, TV's up front. So, like, their backs are to the hallway. And I would just army crawl to watch the television (laughs) to see what they're watching. Did you you ever do anything like that? No. uh, I I guess I just, I wasn't um, as adventurous. I should have been. I, I remember hearing, like, I would, like, my room, the way my house was set up, my room was uh, quite a decent a bit away from the the living room, mm-hmm. but um, I would remember my parents playing things, and I would, I never, like, snuck fully out, but I remember hearing, like, sounds, so mm-hmm. I would kind of be by my door sometimes and listen to what was being said, and just being, uh... Curious. To yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> um, so, did you ever do the thing where, um, you know, with the cable, you're you're watching something and you have the distinct feeling, like as a child, like I shouldn't be watching this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, and sometimes it was just like, yeah, I'm just gonna keep watching it. Yeah, for keep... sure. <laughs> well, I I think like uh, kids have like a they're drawn to these like scary things. I I mean. You think about like the grim fairy tales and things like that. It, a lot of them are gruesome and terrifying. Sure. Yeah, I I think you know these things are meant for children. Right. No, for sure. Some. I mean, I'm trying to think like some of the, like the first things I remember just flipping through the TV. I mean, I remember like you know USA used to have like USA up all night. Mm-hmm. If you remember things like that, and they would sometimes show like ridiculous things like Elvira stuff. Uh-huh. And, like, but I remember. Um, one instance, they were playing uh, Bordello of Blood. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so that would, would have been I was a young teenager. Uh-huh. And I remember, like, Dennis Miller is in that movie, yep. if I remember right. And, you know, it's TV, so it's still, you know, edited at some, you know. Right. Because it's, it's regular cable. But um, I don't, and I can't remember, like, specific scenes, but uh-huh. I just know it freaked me out a little bit. I, I feel like with those, the cable stuff, they really were more about editing language and nudity yeah. mm-hmm. and violence was typically left in. Yeah. So a lot of that stuff, like you see the scary stuff that's on the screen. Yeah, right. And funny thing about, I think up all night, I think they were pretty, uh, pretty liberal about the editing of nudity on that. I, yeah. I think that I remember seeing some, uh, you know, some bare ass. Yeah. <laughs> or like they, they'll do the thing where it's like, they'll blur over just the right. nipple. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, 
other than that, so I guess, you know, you want to talk about, you know, our, yeah. our memory, things that kind of scared us to begin yeah. with. Yeah, so, um, so, you know, I was telling you about, uh, like, the army crawling stuff. Yeah. So I have a distinct memory as a kid, and I, I have a terrible memory. I don't remember things when I was a kid, typically. Uh, so this left an impression, uh, and when this movie came out, I think it was 90, 91, so I have, I mean, what, like, probably six? Yeah. Um... So my family was watching Tremors, which mm-hmm. is not a scary movie. It's really awesome. Mm-hmm. But do you remember the movie? I do. Yeah. So there's the part where, you know, the old the old couple, the farmer or whatever, you know, living in the trailer, like they get sucked into the ground at night and they go to investigate during the day. And like that seems pretty intense, you know. I think they're like in the car like trying to get out and the dirt's covering them. You mm-hmm. don't know what's happening. And there's a scene where they go to investigate it, and there's a hat on the dirt, and like Kevin Bacon lifts it up, yeah. Fred Ward, and you see the old man's face yeah, that's right. in the dirt, and he's just ah, <laughs> like man, that freaked me out as a little kid. Yeah, like that—that that was a scary thing. Yeah, and I think as we talk these out a little bit, we'll come to realize just kind of certain images stick with you, right? And that's a big part while growing up. Yeah, <laughs> that's great, man. Um, okay, I'll, I've, uh, we'll probably go back and forth here, but okay. my first, like, other than, like, I just talked about, you know, we talked a little bit about flipping through channels as we got a little older. My first memory would be as a kid, um, probably around the same age you just talked about, may, you know, maybe a little older, six to eight, somewhere around in there. Um, uh, but this is actually something we owned, so, uh, you know... Like I said, I watched a lot of Disney stuff, a lot of cartoons, um, but uh, I remember my mom bought me a VHS of a Scooby-Doo episode, mm-hmm. and this was the original like Scooby-Doo episode. So the 60s. Yeah. And uh, she bought me an episode of Scooby-Doo and the No-Face Zombie, <laughs> and I watched the crap out of VHS yeah? like over and over, but it freaked me out because... Um, even though it's like you know it's a ridiculous show, well yeah, you know, but still it's kind of a spooky thing for a kid still, <clears throat> mm-hmm. you know. So I remember they're just like chasing this guy, this no face zombie, uh-huh. and he he doesn't have a face, and it's like he's in this cape, and it's like this weird kind of like uh, metal type thing that he's got for a face, and just seeing that character, I just remember it just freaked me out. Yeah, well, and I think that's like a universal like fear of like. Like, people that have, like, weird distorted mm-hmm. faces yeah. or no face, right. like, and no features. When you're that age, too, you're, like, you're used to seeing, you know, especially, you know, someone like me who didn't didn't typically watch, you know, horror movies or anything. Mm-hmm. You're typically used to seeing someone who looks like yourself. Right. When you see something different, that kind of freaks you out a little bit. No, for sure, man. So, um, that would be my first experience. Okay, here's one that is not a scary movie, but this scene is really freaky. Uh, <laughs> how old were you when you watched Raiders? Raiders of the Lost Star. I, I didn't watch that actually until probably I was, I would say, between 12 and 15, somewhere okay. in that area. So I was like a little kid because, yeah. you know, we would rent like the, you know, the, I, we rented uh, Last Crusade, you know, when it came out because mm-hmm. I, I think that's the only one we would have been you know, of age to see, like, yeah. in theaters or whatnot. But, uh, so I, I was probably watching those movies around, what, like, 89, 90? And, uh, dude, Raiders, the end of it, the Nazis, like, the open the arc. Right. 
faces burning. It's melting off. Well, man. and it's so freaky because and I I feel like it was one of those things where my parents forgot the end of that movie. Mm-hmm. So it's like uh, they see him like opening the arc, and I I feel like there's that panic of like, oh, I don't know if the kids should be watching this part, and but you know we got to watch it anyways, and you just like the the one like sadistic Nazi, you know that's uh kind of aping the Peter yeah, Lorre yeah. thing, mm-hmm. his screaming like the hands going right. up, the face uh, melting, yeah. just ah, uh, yeah, <laughs> like man, <laughs> that, that's scene. a messed up thing to watch <laughs> though when you're like yeah, six. For sure. That would have uh, that would have uh, that would have got to me. Yeah, yeah, dude. In Last Crusade, I remember like renting that, like the end of that movie yeah. where he like ages so quickly. That's right. And he's just holding on to the girl and yeah, yeah. That that scene's awesome too. Yeah, those are Spielberg is really good about making things for kids that are scary. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> yeah, That's great. Okay, uh, up next for me. So I'm gonna change up just for a second. This is not a movie. But it is a dream that I encountered okay. while growing up. And from all accounts, I don't know why this dream was in my head. Uh-huh. Like, you know, possibly maybe I saw something when I was younger, but I don't recall what it was. But I had the recurring dream, and this happened, like, all throughout my childhood, all the way probably up until I was, you know, late middle school. And it's the dumbest thing, but it freaked me out every time. Mm-hmm. And it was just like this recurring dream of I was a small person living in a world with giant rabbits. Hold on now. So, when you say you're a small person, like, are, or, are you the size well, maybe you I'm are? the size I was. Like, as and a, then they're giant rabbits? Right, as, so I was the size of myself. So you're not like a miniature person. I'm not person. a miniature. So I was, you know, a little, either a... You know, but you were little at the time when you were dreaming this. I was so, little like, at the time I was dreaming this. So like that, putting you, it in perspective. So I even, guess. even it, it just made them seem towering over. Right, me. like like they were the size of like, you know, not like Godzilla or something, but uh-huh. just like, you know, they towered over me. Like I'll just put it like that. Like the size of like a minivan. Yeah, and they functioned like humans. Like wait, <laughs> they walked. Were they bipedal? So they walked they, on two? They walked on two. What? Um, did they have thumbs? That I don't remember. So, was it like a Bugs Bunny? It was not a Bugs Bunny. Like, they were fluff... Like, they were, like, white, filled-out rabbits. Like... Was it like an Easter Bunny type? <clears throat> Almost. Except they... Did you have a fear of the Easter Bunny? I didn't. I'm not saying that as a joke. No, no. Thing. I know. I, um, I didn't. But know. like, maybe you saw, you know, yeah. Your maybe your mom took you to an Easter Bunny when you were a baby. Or she something. did do that because I have so, a picture of it. Maybe, maybe you were terrified. <laughs> That's I don't possible. Know. Yeah, but like, I, I just, you know, the main thing I remember of this dream, and it, it's not even like anything like overly like sadistic. It's just a weird thing. It's uh-huh. like these every time the dream would end, I would be living in this world with these giant bunnies or rabbits and every time like an older one like it was an old rabbit Uh uh-huh he would be like crossing this road and he would be riding a bicycle that's kind of freaky yeah and every single time he would fall this older one (laughs) for no reason Uh uh-huh he'd drive it and he would fall he'd wreck and he would die (laughs) And that's a right weird dream. When that would happen, I would always either wake up 
because uh, it was like time to wake up or I would wake up and like have sweats and just be like freaking out. Man, there's a lot of stuff going on there. I know. I so just, so I, it's not like a Night of the Lupus thing. It's yeah. like humanoid rabbit people. Yeah. And there was, like I said, there was nothing like, you know, there was no, uh, no, uh, like nothing going on that was like. Fearing, fearing it's of kind my of life mundane. or anything. Like it's just a, it's just a, yeah, just regular life. I just, I don't know, just that scene every time. That's awesome. <laughs> but it messed me up. I should make a short of that. Yeah. <laughs> Do you still have that dream? No, I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. Well, uh, <laughs> next for me, um, man. So I've got some like some cable things that scared me when I was a kid. Um, I'll just go ahead and list off a few in a row. Um, the end of the thing really bothered me. Me and my dad used to like to watch that a lot when I was growing up. But, uh, and it's not even the monsters. You know, the Blair monster's pretty freaky with the hands getting ripped mm-hmm. off and stuff. But uh, the end of that movie, and I, I think maybe like, I don't know if I just picked up on things when I was a kid. Because the end of uh, Night of the Living Dead remake also bothered me when I was younger. But, it, you know, you have that music and there's the uncertainty in that ending of, like, you know, who, you know, is Childs the monster mm-hmm. or is, uh, you know, um, Kurt Russell's character, mm-hmm. you know, what's going to happen. And then it doesn't really matter because likely they're both going to die. Right. But, you know, if one of them's the thing, it could just freeze and then come back. And you have that, you know, great music playing, the Ennio Morricone music. Oh, yeah. Uh, that, the ending just really bothered me when I was a kid. You know, it's yeah. just the uncertainty, man. It's good stuff. You know, Night of the Living Dead bothered me because of the, like... Right. Like, you see the hillbillies killing the zombies, and you just... You kind of have a feeling of just, like, I just felt gross. Yeah. Like, it's like, this feels wrong. I don't know why. It does. Yeah. It, it's messed up. Um... Also, this is one of those that I think I saw on TV that I it was like the distinct, I should not be watching this, but I really need to see what's going on here. Uh, Hellraiser? Yep. So, and I mean, it wasn't even the Cenobites. It was the, uh, you know, in the first movie when she gets to the hospital and she encounters like the creature, like the watcher thing that... It, it's got, like, the two heads. It's mm-hmm. all messed up. And it's running down the hall after. Yeah. That freaked me out when I was yeah. a kid. Like, stumbling on that scene. And then, this is probably just one of the, the scariest things. Um, Pet Cemetery, mm-hmm. Zelda. Yeah. Uh, do, did you ever see that as a kid? Or were you an adult when no, you I saw that? No, I was an adult when I saw that. Man, oh, it freaked me out so much. Because... It like she's just like this sick lady, but she looks really messed up. Yep. And like the way the camera movement is, like where it just smashes in on her. Yep. Uh dude, it's so freaky when I was a little kid. Like that movie and like the actual thrust of what's happening in the movie is not nearly as scary as the memories of Zelda yeah. in that movie. Yeah, like the... oh it's so fucked up. Yeah, no, for sure. Okay, so I've got two left here. Okay. And I'll just um how many of you got left? I got two. You got so two more. so um, okay. Yeah, we'll just okay. The I'll just do my last two together here because they kind of okay go together here. First, I'll go with um this because this is chronologically here for me. I would go over to my cousin's house a lot in high middle school and high school. Like I said, I I did not really I didn't watch horror movies 
uh, he had his family had uh, satellite, so mm-hmm. they had like you know whatever the movie channels you get at the time, right? You had HBO things like Showtime. That. Showtime, right? Uh, Scream was on the TV, mm. the first Scream. So my guess is this probably would have been. I don't know, like 98? Scream came out in what, 96? So yeah, 96. Probably, so probably around 98, so uh-huh. around that time. You know, it was on TV. It was on the dish. So whatever. We were just kind of chilling. I think my cousin like had went to the bathroom or something. So I was just like chilling in the living room and waiting for him. The opening scene of Scream comes on. You know, we look at that movie now and it's it's like, you know, it's kind of more of a comedy. Uh-huh. Now it is a horror movie. Of, the opening know, is pretty shocking. The opening shocking. And it... That scene, I watched the whole scene. I remember, you know, very clearly watching her get the phone call, <laughs> having the conversation. And then the thing that I think that the two things that freaked me out most, which is understandable, is first seeing her boyfriend on the porch, just getting the crap stabbed out of him. Yeah. And then after that, then seeing her, you know, brutally massacred the way that Drew Barrymore mm-hmm. is massacred in the opening film. And that really messed me up. <laughs> Dude, well, Scream was scary. Like, I mean, for our generation, like, Scream is definitely, like, a landmark scary movie. You know, everybody yeah. watched that thing. Yeah. And, uh, man, I just, I'll, I'll, that was something that, like, kind of resonated with me for a while. Because, in all honesty, that's probably the first slasher thing I'd ever seen before. It uh, it messed me up for a little bit. So, the second thing, uh, the last thing I'll mention, and so this would have been probably around the same time period. Mm-hmm. So, anywhere from like 98, 99. So, I was, like 14, 15. Around you know, in that age. Yeah. And this was at, again at my cousin's house. And again, um, just ran, they always had the TV on in the living room. Yeah. You know, just while I was in there. A scene comes up from The Shining. Now, I didn't know at the time it was The Shining. Oh, yeah. But it um, it's the scene that um, happens in the bathroom where you have... And it was it's a weird thing as, for a teenager be, also because it really messed me up in a certain way as well. Because at first when you see that scene, um, he noticed there's a lady in the bathtub, mm-hmm. correct? And she stands up and you actually see... I believe you see her ass. You see a lot. You see a lot. And so at first I'm like, kind of like, this is cool. Yeah. (laughs) And then, as we all know what happens next, Mm -hmm. gets out. A very terrifying, I don't know if you want to call her a witch, zombie, ghoul, whatever. Mm -hmm. Her decaying body. (laughs) Turns out that it's a mirage. And, uh, you know, she steps out of the tub. And, man, that messed me up. I just saw that scene. That's the only scene I saw. Uh-huh. I had no context for anything. I didn't know what the movie was. I saw that, and it freaked me out. I thought about that scene so many times over the next few years. I never saw The Shining until, uh-huh. you know, I was in college. I didn't even know, like, for a long time. Just because, I, like I said, I, I wasn't, you know, I didn't really get into film until my later teenage years. Right. So, like, I didn't know what that was. And it messed me up for a long time. <laughs> That's awesome. So it's kind of funny. I, I wonder how many people like that movie messed with just seeing that scene. Yeah. Just because like how many teenage boys like from the 80s to the 90s are just like. Right. Oh, there's there's a naked yeah. girl on the screen. Yeah. <laughs> and then just man deflated. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's right. That's awesome. <laughs> so yeah, those that uh, that's where I will hand it off to you. My my mom and dad were very good about introducing me to new movies. They're big movie fans. 
that's kind of where I get my love for movies. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of this stuff they will deny now on um, the things that they would recommend and let me watch because, um, you know, they're older and stuff. That happens. But my mom used to be the biggest Halloween fan. So I was probably uh, between like 10, 11, you know, going to the movie mart, renting, you know, uh, the five movies, five days, five dollars, whatnot. Yeah. So she was like, you need to rent Halloween. You know, that that mm-hmm. first Halloween's amazing. You need to watch that. So, and what I would do is I would watch these movies, you know, I would start in the evening and I'd watch them all night. Like, that would be my weekend, you know, going from Friday into Saturday or whatnot. So, like, Halloween, I think, was, like, one of the last movies that I was watching for that, you know, particular night of viewing. And... Just putting it on at like 4 a.m., man, and like the opening credits, that terrified me as a mm-hmm. kid. Like, it is scary opening credits. And then my mom, you know, she comes in because she's just waking up for the day and she's like, oh, this is good. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, this, <laughs> this is messed up. This is freaky stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I just have a love for that movie and it's all because of her. And, you know, for the longest time, like her and I would watch it you know, Halloween for, for years until I, you know, moved out. That's cool. And, you know, I still watch it every year, you know, till this day. Sure. You know, that movie's awesome. And man, those opening credits, like just like coming in on the pumpkin with the music, the music's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then here's the last thing that I remember scaring me and it is the movie that we're going to talk about in depth. All right, this is this will be a good transition here. So, Event Horizon. Um, this movie came out in September '97. So, to watch it on VHS, it would probably have been, I, I'm guessing, is early '98. It's probably when I watched it. You know, because we yeah. rented it when it was a new release or whatnot. Um, so I popped it in really late at night, and that movie freaked me out. Just like the way that it conceptualized hell and stuff. And in particular, the blood orgy scene, Mm -hmm. that scene, like, that messed me up. That is, like, the last movie that I remember, like, freaking me out. And the only way that I could just get over what I just saw was I popped the tape back in and rewatched it immediately. Uh I watched it twice in a row because it's like, why is this bothering me so much? Mm -hmm. You know, because it's like, I need to go to bed, but I need to, like, watch this (laughs) again and, like, what is happening here? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that that's it, man. Question. Yeah. Did it freak you out as much the second time no. right after you watched it? Okay. No. No, um, it, it, but it was a movie that, like, through high school, you know, when people were, you know, like, when hanging out with, like, girls or whatever, you know, neighbors, mm-hmm. things like that, you know, when they're wanting to watch a scary movie, that's the one I would be like, you need to see this, because mm-hmm. this is messed up, because, man, that blood orgy scene, like... We're going to talk about it more in depth in a little bit, but you just don't see stuff like that. Yeah, no, for sure. That's a good one. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, man, Event Horizon, uh, 1997, directed by Paul W.S. Anderson. Yeah. I believe this is the movie that he was making right after Mortal Kombat. Um, Yeah, that's Might double check me on that, but I think Mortal Kombat was 95, and that movie made a ton of money. Mortal Kombat... I don't know if you remember or if you were into that stuff back then, but that movie and like the soundtrack, the Mortal Kombat, yes, Mortal Kombat. Yeah. 
Like, it was really popular. Yeah. So, like, he took, you know... It's probably, like, the first popular video game movie, and probably still to this day, probably one of the most successful. And, you know, he took something that was basically, like, probably a shit script. You know, it's basically Under the Dragon with, like, some monsters. And made a pretty decent, fun movie out of it. So, he got, you know, this movie he wanted to do next. It was a R-rated horror movie basically haunted house in space and it was budgeted at like 60 million like it was a huge budget for a mm-hmm. movie like this so um yeah it comes out september 97 i was reading that uh, paramount wanted it i guess it was rushed out like the development for this movie was pretty short um i i think he said they only had like four weeks to edit it so i guess their initial cut of the movie came in at like two hours and ten minutes and I guess it was too graphic and it, it slowed down too much. So they cut it down to, I mean, the studio made him cut it down to like an hour and a half. Yeah. And, um, yeah. What, uh, what are your initial thoughts on this film? All right. So at a bit horizon, I'm going to read you a quick synopsis here from Letterboxd. In 2047, a group of astronauts are sent to investigate and salvage the starship Event Horizon which disappeared mysteriously seven years before on its maiden voyage. With its return, the crew of the Lewis and Clark discovers the real truth behind the disappearance of the Event Horizon and something even more terrifying. So, I'm going to say right offhand, I enjoy this movie. This is a movie um, that I've seen a couple times. Mm -hmm. I watched it for the first time probably, I don't know, 10 years ago or so. I've watched it a couple times since. And I've enjoyed it every time since. Um, I am a bit of... I I like a lot of what Paul W.S. Anderson does with his work. Uh, as you know, I'm a bit of a fan of his Resident Evil movies. Uh, I'm also a fan of Shopping, his first one you know, film. I think it's a really good movie. Um, and I also think Event Horizon is a really good movie. And... This movie is very, um, you know, uh, freaky. Uh-huh. I mean, uh, it's got a very spooky feel to it. Um, I think this was a movie that, like, I, you know, I, I especially, like, I think he would use a lot of influence he used from this movie in creating Resident Evil. If you look at, like, some of the set designs from that movie and, like, some of the way he, you know, would go about shooting hallways and using hallways and things like that. Um, but, um, I, I don't know. I really like this movie a lot, man. I think Sam Neill's great. I think Larry Fishburne is great. And, uh, I just, uh, yeah, it, 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 it gives you a sense of dread the whole way through. Yeah. I, um, I, I like this movie. I, I am not a big fan of Paul W. S. Anderson. I do think this is a good movie. I think your love for Paul W. S. Anderson might be one of your greatest character flaws. Or one of the best. <laughs> but, you know, that's okay. Um. You know, you have uh, Sam Neill, Larry Fishburne, um, or the pilot of the ship, Sean Pertry. Yes. Uh, he's in some British movies. Yeah. I think he's in Dog Soldiers. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, Jolie Richardson's in it. Uh, she's uh, the, yep. the the main woman yep. in it. Kathleen Quinlan. Yeah. She's very good. Um, and then... Uh, Richard J- T. Jones is yep. Cooper. He's Jason awesome. Patrick. Jason so, Patrick, uh, yeah. one thing about this movie, I think the cast is phenomenal. Yeah. Whoever did casting... Like, great A job on you. Like, the cast really sells this movie. And 
I, I imagine some of the dialogue would be pretty clunky if not being delivered by these great actors. Yeah, I mean, it's... <clears throat> all these actors, like, in it are really, like... All of them are pretty charismatic. And, you know, of course, I think we'll always have Alien to thank for helping us, you know, get... Want to get, like, this crew to This just, wonderful like, ensemble yes, cast. right. So, I mean, we watched something the other day... Um, uh, what was the other? Leviathan? Leviathan, which does a similar thing. Yeah. You, know, you have this set of... And, and it, that's a really big part of these movies is you need to have uh, a group of actors that like you want to be around and spend the yeah, time Yeah, and that's the thing. You got... Definitely, like, you have to set it up to where you, you care about the people, you know, that these horrors are going to be happening to. You know, that's what your stakes are. So if you can't sell us in the first act on you know these characters you know it, it kind of hurts the rest of the movie but i think this movie i think the first act of this movie is the strongest part of this movie i think that the setup for everything that is about to happen is phenomenal i um you know the one of my favorite scenes and i think it's like wonderfully scripted and acted it's uh where sam neill is explaining what happened to the event horizon and how it works i think it's a really good way to explain like yeah, we open a black hole and we go through it, and mm-hmm. you know it, it's a good explanation for what's happening in the movie. And I, I actually think the setup for the movie is pretty cool. I, I like the names of the ships. I think the Lewis and Clark is a great name for you know a rescue vessel. Right. Um, you know, just exploring space. I, I think the Event Horizon is an awesome name for a ship. The design, like you said, I like the design of stuff. Like, the Event Horizon looks really cool. Like, that drive core, you know, the gravity hole that they have. That room's awesome looking. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the hallways and such. You know, especially, like, the breakaway hallway that's, like, mostly lit in greens. You know, it just looks really cool. Yeah, Uh, he's always had a knack for color, which is something I really appreciate about him. Um, And, yeah, just, like, man... The ship design, like you said, it's just great. Like, I... That's... One of the big takeaways from that movie, this movie for me, is just the whole design of the ships. I mean... Yeah, I mean, you could definitely tell that, like, they they use their money. Like, everything looks good. Those sets are great. And, like, it's crazy, because you'll have, like, these elaborate sets that, you know, are in the movie for, like, maybe a shot or two. and. Yeah. There's so much detail in them. It's really cool. Um, something that I don't like about this movie, the CGI. It's very bad and very aged. Anything, yeah. man, especially the opening of the movie, the the like Zeo Gravity CGI stuff, sure. I think it looks so bad. Yeah, it does not hold up very well, and that's for sure. And we even watched this on DVD. We didn't even watch it on Blu-ray, so... I assume it looks even worse, probably, on, right. <laughs> on the Blu-ray. Well, but, yeah, uh, I, I agree with you 100% there. Well, and, and like, movies have been doing zero-gravity stuff forever. Like, 2001, I, and maybe that's an unfair comparison, but, like, that movie did zero-gravity really well. Right. No, for sure, man. <laughs> it's definitely a major flaw. Yeah. That can't be overlooked. Yeah, um, it's definitely like an effects downfall for that. But I honestly, a lot of movies from that time do stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. just showing off like, hey, this is what we can do. And I do think it's weird that like, man, in that movie, they can't even make a puddle look as good as like T2, which is like mm-hmm. the first movie to make. Well, I mean, you know, The Abyss, but yeah, yeah, it's like you got these movies that are like, you know, eight, ten years older and you still can't look as good as that. Yeah. 
<laughs> and again, maybe it's an unfair comparison, but uh, yeah. yeah, the CGI kind of took it out of me some little bit. Yeah. Um, what do you think of like all the the scare scenes, the terror scenes? Yeah, they're done really well. So I mean, like you know, the movie kind of opens with one of those, mm-hmm. right? So we get Sam Neill is having a bit of a dream, if you will. From the beginning, I mean, you know, uh, things are gonna be a little off. And so, yeah, I, I enjoy his dream sequence at the beginning. The stuff with his wife's pretty cool. It is, it is. So, like, when they go to fix the drive core and he's in the shaft, yep. that seems really cool. Yep. Very disturbing, like, when you see, you know, what happened to the crew prior. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the blood orgy stuff, like yeah. we talked about. Um, yeah. And what makes it even, like, you know, we can have this, people have this debate all the time on... On horror movies, you know, what's more terrifying, like, what you see or what you don't see. Mm-hmm. And I think in this case, it does work for the movie's advantage in that you see little glimpses in mm-hmm. quick edits of what have happened. But you don't see, like, a full scene or a wide shot of what yeah. has happened to the crew. And I think that works really well here in in making it even a little more disturbing and in messing with the imagination. So, okay, there's like an extended version of that. Have you seen that? I have not. It, it's messed up, um, but it doesn't have the power that the it does in the movie because, you know, the music and how quickly edited it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I do... I don't want to say like. I, uh, I appreciate many of the things like the... The hand down the throat, pulling the tongue out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, all the sex stuff in it is very weird and messed up. Yeah. Um, I was reading about that, and so apparently all that stuff was shot second unit, okay. and I guess they hired a bunch of like amputees and porn stars, oh. and they did the porn star stuff because they wanted like the fucking to look like real. <laughs> so I don't know how much. Of that you remember, but there's like scenes where like people are just like freaking yes. slammed down into tables right. and just going to town. Yeah, like some of that stuff looks like sodomy. Yep, it's very disturbing. It's really disturbing. Yes, and like <laughs> it's like this is going on while people are ripping their eyes and tongues out. Yeah, and they're all speaking Latin. Right. Yeah, the got, most terrifying language. The most terrifying language, indeed. Yes, you got that going on. You've got doesn't isn't there like one where like a person's body is kind of like almost like Hellraiser style is like got hooks in it. Yeah, like spread out. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's some pretty gruesome imagery. <laughs> it is. It, it definitely. It seems like it would fit in a current Hellraiser movie if they made one. Right. You know that wasn't shitty in direct to video. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a it's a great scene, and the cool thing is, like, I don't even think we get that reveal until what, like, an hour into the movie. Yeah, they yeah, wait a long time to show us that tape. Yep, that's right. <laughs> and man, it is so freaky. But I think the build to the tape is like freaky as well because you get the transmission, and like uh, Jason Isaacs has it because mm-hmm. he studied Latin, and he's a uh, the de me or whatever yep. like save us from hell and then like oh save yourselves yep. from hell right you know like i i think all that build is really cool yeah uh, it's messed up uh yeah so another scene i'd like to touch on this isn't so much as horrific as it is um you know kind of thrilling and also a little you know gory going on <clears throat> but like we have the our our 
first um, crew member who kind of gets taken over by this yeah um, ship. And are you talking Justin? Justin, yes. Dude, yeah, so, I got that written down too. Okay, and so you know we have him, and he you know he gets locked in this. Uh, it, so he's in like a decompression thing that's a decompression out to the chamber. airlock, right? Yeah, and so you know basically the ship makes him push one button well, when he, he should have pushed a different. Button. Yeah, and before that he gets sucked into the gravity right. hole. Yes, which so he, uh, we're right. We're to assume that the gravity hole itself. Is a direct link to where the ship had been. Yes. Because he talks as if, like, he was in that place. He has has seen things. Yeah. You know, that that they would not comprehend. Right. Right. And so, you know, this happens. And um, anyway, his his body gets forced out into space. Yes. And you have this great scene with Lawrence Fishburne. Who is on the move to try to save him. Yeah, he's uh, repairing the Lewis and Clark. Uh, whenever the gravity drive gets... Uh, it gets accidentally turned back on. Mm-hmm. And it, like, blasts out so much energy that it destroys the whole of the Lewis and Clark. So, uh, Lawrence, Lawrence Fishburne and... Um, was it Sean Pertree or whatever? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're out there fixing the ship. Right. So, he has to go and save yep. Justin. Save Justin and... You, it's pretty messed up. Yeah. Um. You see, like his, all his orifices basically. Yeah, just, it's like his veins are blowing out. Just blood coming out. Uh huh. Somehow he makes it out alive through this, which you know is fine. But it's it's a very um. Uh, it is a thrilling scene, but it's also just kind of uh graphic. Yeah, yeah the build to it's really good because you have a good solid two minutes yeah. of them arguing back and forth because like the ship lets go of him after he pushes the button. So you have the mm-hmm. countdown of like the door is going to open like the airlock and they can't open the door to save him because if the airlock opens with that door open, it will decompress the ship right. and everybody will die. Yeah. So like Lawrence has to race to go get him. Yep. And it's kind of like, uh, you know, in 2001 when he's trying to get back into the ship and he shoots out of it yep. into the airlock. That's right. That's kind of what you got going on yep. here. Um, it's really cool, like, the violence that's going on. Um, I don't think it's very scientific and stuff, but the, the, this movie yep. plays fast and loose with science stuff. <laughs> um, and a lot of it is just, like, in the service of what horror stuff they have going sure. on. Yeah. So I appreciate like the, the Justin airlock scene. I really like it. Yeah. I, I think it's one of the best terror scenes in the movie. Yeah, man, it was really, really good stuff. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a scene that um, I, I find quite, um, fascinating and it works really well. Talking about fast and loose with like the laws of science and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about, cause it is like a ghost, like a haunted house in space. Yeah. So, when the Lewis and Clark approaches the event horizon at the beginning, like, the thunderstorm going on, mm-hmm. so you kind of have that, like, motif of, you know, like, the older movies from, like, the 50s and 60s where, like, they pull up and a thunderstorm's yep. happening and they mm-hmm. end up in the house. That's right. Like, it, it was kind of going for that, in, but it didn't matter that, like, there was not supposed to be an atmosphere or anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> like, we just throw rules out. Yep. That's right, man. Um, <laughs> how, does that stuff bother you in no, movies like this? It does not, um, because I you, don't know you if felt it like served the movie well. An expectation level that I don't have or mm-hmm. what, but yeah, it, it it didn't bother me at all. Yeah, that that didn't bother me either. Um, there's a thing later in the movie that does bother me, and we'll we'll get to it. Okay. But um, 
Yeah, the thunderstorm stuff I thought was cool. Um, sure. I, I just wanted to know, like, and I, I did want to point out, like, that motif of the haunted house. Yeah. You know, I, I like that. I This movie, actually, he's playing a lot with, like, the haunted house genre. Yeah. And he makes very direct references to previous films. Mm-hmm. Um, the Shining, for one. Right. Um, yep. That, that, that yes. <laughs> um, especially, I mean, he does the blood elevator. Right. Yep. Basically. And it's the exact same shot, too. Like, did you Just notice? Dash down, I did, 100%. Yep. Yep. <laughs> exact same shot. Yeah. But, you know, it works. Yeah, it does. It's fun. Yeah. It's a fun gag. Um, anything else about, like, the middle of this movie before we get to the end that you uh, you want to point out? Anything, like, you like, dislike? Yeah, I mean, I we'll talk about this, like, a little more. I, I think Sam Neill's character is fascinating in mm-hmm. this because I don't think we said this before, but um, he is actually the architect behind the event horizon yes like he created that ship and so you know he kind of the crew doesn't know what's happening until they've actually you know they went into you know chambers and hypersleep hypersleep while they're on the the ride there and then you know they don't know what their mission is until you know they wake up and sam neill tells them what's going on and when he does tell them what's going on, you know, obviously nobody's really very happy about it. Yeah, they don't really but, believe him either. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, I just find his character to be fascinating um, because of, you know, the pieces he kind of put together through his backstory mm-hmm. with his wife and just how this ship has not over, like, kind of overtaken his personal life, but it also takes over um, his mental state of being. Well, so. yeah, so you're you're given the idea that, like, he is away from home, like, working on building the ship while his wife is dealing with serious depression. Right. And she ends up taking her own life, mm-hmm. and he's, like, haunted by this guilt of, yeah. you know, him not being there for her, but he also falls into the trap of the same thing. Right. You know, once he gets back on the ship, you know, he... He falls in love with it. Yeah, and can't let it go. Yeah, and it's just, you know, uh, to the detriment of others. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So that that was kind of like the last thing I want to bring up as far as that goes. What, what do you think of Larry, uh, Lawrence Fishburne's character? Yeah, I like him a lot in this movie. Do you, do you like uh, the story? The, you know, he his partner, you know, got burnt up in a fire. I really like that uh, monologue he has where he's yeah. talking about, uh, you know, how fire looks in zero gravity. Right. He really sells it, man. Yeah. And, like, it's awesome. And, it, the you know, really, the only flaw in that scene is that by the end of the movie, I thought we were going to get some fire in zero gravity. <laughs> right. But I it's mean, good we didn't because yeah. the CGI on that would have been Probably would have been bad. Yeah. <laughs> but, man, that speech is really good. Yeah, it is really good. Good acting. He's... he's Go figure. He's a great actor. Yeah. He's, he's really good in this movie, man. Like, like you said before, I... I I don't really have a complaint with anyone in this movie. Even like some of the some of the actors who are kind of like hamming it up. Some like Cooper. Right. Like I really like him though. Like, yeah, Cooper's someone like. There's one point where like you think he's dead or going to die, right? But he actually comes back and he I'm, does the jetpack thing, right? From gravity, exactly. It's ridiculous. But yeah, it's fun. But when he comes back, I'm like, yeah, give me yeah. Well, doesn't he say something like, "I'm on my way, yep. motherfuckers"? That's right, or something like, like that. Yep, straight up. Like it's so goofy. <laughs> Yeah. Um. So that in, in his grand entrance, like, oh shit. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it it's definitely has 
a, a cheesiness factor to it. But, like, I don't care because, like, I just, I like Cooper so much. Like, I just, like... I, all these, a, he's a fun character. Yeah, everybody's really good. Even, like, probably the, the character that, like... I find to be the most uninteresting in this movie, and I and I don't mean to like how like sound like I don't like her character because I still do. I'm just saying the least one is probably um, the short haired lady who um, you know with the disabled missing her, kid. Yeah, her, her son missing yeah. her son, and but her and death's pretty. Cool. Her death is cool because like you know the she body slamming that, down on the you know, railing. She sees him yeah. walking or you know coming towards her, and she goes and chases him. Um, but really, I mean, it, it's nothing against her. I just don't think she's given as much as some of some of the actor, other actors. To right, do, so. and and I mean, you have these actors who you know they're just starting out in their career, like Jason Isaacs or whatnot. That like they can take something little and make themselves very memorable. Right. You know. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, okay, so this third act, I uh, I do not like the third act that much. I I think the movie. It goes a little too off the rails, and I I do not like the Sam Neill Lawrence Fishburne fight. Yeah, like in the gravity room. Sure. Um, where okay, I guess we should talk about what happens before that to set it up. I and I don't like this. I okay. There's some things I like about this. It, it it's a uh, Lawrence Fishburne and what what's the girl's name? Is it Jolene Richardson? Jolie Richardson? Yes, I believe that's right. Um, Give me one second. So they is get she played by Stark, or is Stark's the character name? Yes, Jolie. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Jolie Richardson. Okay, so uh, Stark and Captain Miller they make their way to the uh, control room because they need to like detach it from the event horizon or mm-hmm. something like that. Um, so Sam Neill is there and he's like. The the last uh, probably ten minutes of the movie, he's been going around killing people. He blew up the Lewis and Clark, so he's in the command seat. The ship's overtaken him. Um, he's ripped his own eyes out. Right, just being a weird, messed up dude, and it, it's pretty cool. Yeah, that scene's awesome. He's got like the 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 uh, the ratchet gun right. thing that they're using to fix the Lewis and Clark. Yep, and um, you know he's starting to shoot him, and then you have Cooper coming in. Oh shit. Yep. And mm-hmm. then Sam Neill shoots at the window and, like, blows out the window to the command center and, like, space is, like, sucking them. Yep. So, just a complaint, why is that scene treated differently than the Justin in space no, scene? No, I think that's a fair complaint. Like, yeah. I, and I guess, like, I, I, I wouldn't care, but, like, do one thing or the other. Because you just showed us earlier in the movie that, like, being in exposed space is bad because you're gonna like have blood come out of every hole mm-hmm. and your veins are gonna pop out right and, but in this they're exposed to space and it's like i just gotta hold on and right. get to the yeah. door and sure. nothing's gonna happen and i can talk and breathe and everything yep. like i i just thought it was weird it's like you know if you're gonna create a rule early in the movie like this is the rule that our movie's playing by you know to like completely go around and do something mm-hmm. different when you've already set w- what that should be that that bothers me if you don't if you can't follow the rules of your own movie that bothers me no i think that's fair um, um and i know it's it's maybe a nitpick i just think that like i thought it was stupid yeah and i will say i mean now that you talk about it i see you know at the time i think when i watched the movie i just like 
I'm having so much fun with it. Like I don't you're think invested about it at the time, right? Right. Sure, but I get that. I and, can and, see, and that I, I can understand, like you know, the idea of like, well, if we have them up to this point, they'll be invested and not think about the earlier thing. Sure. That's so nice. I do get that because I mean, right. like Steven Spielberg does that for his movies. You know, like with Jaws blowing it up and stuff. Yeah. But for me, it took me out of the movie, and I was just like, well. Why are their veins not exploding? Like, why isn't that the build? Like, you know, Lawrence Fishburne's got to get her out of there soon, mm-hmm. or like she's gonna blow up from the inside out. Yeah, no, you know, that's... because like Cooper's in a spacesuit, so he's fine. Right. Right. Yeah. So, true. and then yeah, I I don't know. And then Sam Neill reappearing at the end, but from my understanding. It's not him. I think the ship just created him. Yeah. I think that the real, you know, Dr. Weir is dead. Yeah, and I, I think that that's point. fair. Um, that's probably, like, the, the the last act doesn't bother me that much until then, like, when he reappears. I hate the... And I do think that Why does there have cheap. to be a fist fight? Right. <laughs> like, so he's in this, like, weird skin suit where he's just, like, yeah. like just a skinless creature of Sam Neill, but his eyes are back. Right. So like, that makes me think like, okay, the ship created him because I think like the fire guy turns into mm-hmm. Sam Neill. Um, and they have a fist fight and I hate that. Like you, you're doing this thing early on in the movie where it's like people are being succumbed to their fears and the ship knows your fears. And it's like feeding on that. Um, it's kind of like the, you know, the sphere book, you know, they did a mm-hmm. movie on that. But, um, and then it's just, it devolves into a fist fight and I, I didn't like it. I didn't like the way it was cut. Yeah. I, I, I don't like the way he cuts, you know, hand to hand combat anyways. Yeah. Um, I, except for Mortal Kombat, that movie's awesome. Resident Evil for life. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I just, uh, that third act, man, I just, uh, got some problems with it. Yeah, no, I, I think that's fair. But I think it's a really cool movie, yeah. and I do like the very end of the movie, like mm-hmm. the rescue crew coming to get him, and you get yeah. that jump scare at the end. So yeah, let's talk about that real quick while we, you know, finish up here. I had spoilers ahead. You've probably known that the whole time, right? Watch this movie. Um, how do you feel about the very end um, when uh, we get that kind of little dream sequence of sorts? I like it. Um, and I think it makes sense because, you know, they just went through hell, um, mm-hmm. kind of literally. Yeah. So you, for her to wake up and, you know, have that, it, it's a nice, you know, ending scare. Right. Now that ending credits music, I don't like, <laughs> I don't like, you know, <laughs> like weird poppy, <laughs> poppy rock yeah. type music. But yeah. other than that, yeah, I think it's awesome. All right. Cool. No, yeah, I agree. Um, so this movie, I, it bombed and critics hated it. Yeah. And, but it found life on DVD and like video, yes. like rentals and stuff. And now it's kind of a popular movie, wouldn't you say? Like people like it? Yeah. Uh, a lot of people that, um, you know, that, uh, I am friends with in the uh-huh. film community, uh, seem to enjoy this movie. I enjoy this movie. I yeah. I think you enjoy this movie. Yeah, it's, it's not a perfect a movie, movie, but I like it a lot. Yeah. Like, it, there's a lot of cool stuff in it. Um, and the cool thing is, like, it, this movie kind of predates a lot of, like, where horror is going to go for the next, you know, three or four years. Yeah. So, 
this movie is before I don't I don't know if you watched many of these films, but like the space horror things they had going on, like Virus with Jamie Lee Curtis. I remember uh, the, the Supernova with I think James Spader might be in that. Yep. I remember the Relic. Yeah, the Relic. I the Relic might be before this one. Okay, my bad. Um, I remember that one. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Uh, that's a creature feature. It's okay, pretty awesome. Okay, I got you. Um, I'm also, way off. My apologies. Hey, you're not way off, man. It, I mean, they're <laughs> around the same time. Okay. Um, I I also think that this movie may have been some inspirado for like that. You know that late '90s cycle of William Castle remakes. Sure. So you have like House on Haunted Hill. Yep. 13 Ghost, yep. Ghost Ship, stuff like that, mm-hmm. where it, it's got like the weird jerky, yep. and gore is full on display, yep. and it seems like those movies are also pretty big on like colors, and very big on um, filters over right. like the violence yep. and stuff, and you know, this movie came out, what, probably, I mean, it was what, two years before House on Haunted Hill, was that 99? Yeah, so, yeah, this was what, 97? Yeah, 97, yep. September 97. Yep. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, definitely, I think it did have uh, an effect on how, you know, some horror movies were kind of uh, made for the next following years. I wonder in its current popularity if it made enough money to be profitable for Paramount. You know, and that's, I mean, they released quite a few iterations. They've had a, you know, we watched this, we both have, like, the older DVD that has, The two-disc jumbo box has, like, you know, making of documentary, all that stuff. Which, have you watched those features? I haven't. They're they're pretty cool, man. That's where you're gonna see the, uh, the extended cut of the Hell Orgy. Okay, cool. Um, awesome. And I think there's a few more deleted scenes, um, I was reading that the studio wanted him to do a director's cut of the movie. They wanted the work print Mm -hmm. to come out because, you know, it was that two-hour, ten-minute one, and... I guess it just got lost. Oh, man. Like, all that footage was destroyed. That sucks. And he said two years ago, I was reading, like, there's an interview where he said that um, it, it may have been his DP or his editor or somebody who works for him, an assistant, found a VHS of the work print. But he said that in an interview after that original interview that the the elements on the VHS are not good enough. To, like, make it a viewable thing for audiences. Okay. Well, that's a bummer. I know. (laughs) This would be a cool movie to watch, you know, work print of. I I bet... And I I kind of agree with him that, uh, you know, he said that he didn't think the movie worked at two hours and ten minutes. And I bet there probably was a lot of slowdown. That happens on people's first cut of movies. But I bet that at 10, 15 minutes longer with, like, additional gore mm-hmm. and, like, story beats for characters, I think maybe the movie would play a little bit better. Yeah, for sure. And originally, I guess they had a different ending. Yeah. They, um, originally Sam Neill wasn't supposed to come back. And I would be interested in seeing that. He was supposed to fight the fireman. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, all right, man. Yeah. Uh, Event Horizon, pretty awesome. Check it out. Uh, what do we got up next? Yeah, so, next week is gonna be my pick. So, what we're going to do next time, next week is we're going to, you know, this whole month we're going to be doing Halloween theme things like we talked about. And so next week we're going to do a couple lists. So, you know, of course we'll talk about what we've been watching and everything. That'll take up a little bit of time because I assume we're probably both going to watch a good amount of movies within the next week. A movie every day at least. But um, we will also, uh, we're going to talk about our five essential Halloween films that we watch every year around Mm -hmm. this month and then we're going to also each pick five movies uh five horror movies that we have never seen that 
we plan on seeing this year. All right, man. That is very exciting. I'm excited to see you again next weekend. Yeah. This has been a good uh, combo. And uh, it's been good chatting with you, man. Yeah. Good time to watch movies. Good time to drink beer. Yeah. You get the best beer released this time of year. Go hand in hand. So, uh, anyway, uh, you can find us, uh, you know, on the internets at uh, Cinema Parlor. You can find each of us on Letterboxd. I'm uh, under Nolan or Chuck Madden Jr. That's Clover 84. All right. And uh, so, yeah, enjoy the, you know, the Halloween season. We'll see you guys next week. Happy hauntings. Goodbye.